And the second reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 6, starting from verse 19, page 890 in the Pew Bibles. Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but collect for for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can be a slave of two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and money. This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear? Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do so much more for you? You have little faith. So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all of these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be bright be provided for you therefore don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble on its own this is the word of the lord thank you james thank you mark it'd be great if you keep um, matthew chapter 6 open in front of you page 890 you've closed it and let's ask for god's guidance and help as we uh, get into this. Heavenly Father, your Son, our Lord Jesus, said of what we've just read, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise person who builds their life on a rock. Father, we have heard Jesus speak. Help us now to think how we can put his words into practice in our lives and give us the grace and the will to do so. We pray this for our good and for your glory. Amen. Let me tell you about an amazing man of faith. Uh, There's a picture of him here. Uh, His name is George Muller. Uh, He's uh, a profound uh, English preacher, German-born, spent most of his life in Bristol in the UK. He preached around three sermons a week uh, for his entire life when he was 70 Uh, He had an ambition of going on the mission field, so he went for the next 17 years, travelled around 42 countries, preached to over 3 million people. Remarkable minister of the gospel. But what he's most renowned for was his work in caring for orphans. It's thought that George Muller cared for, uh, it's not thought, it's known that he cared for over 10,000 orphans in his life. Uh, He established schools, 117 schools, that educated over 120,000 children. Now, 
the remarkable thing about George Moore is that to do all of this incredible work, he raised in his lifetime, our equivalent, he lived in the 19th century, our equivalent of $150 million to do that work. Here's the incredible thing about George Muller. He never went into debt, he never took out a loan, and he never asked anyone directly for money. For the last 67 years of his life, he decided that he wouldn't take a wage. He would just trust that God would provide for his needs as he set about God's work. Remarkable man of faith. Look at this quote of what he said. Uh, Next one. God's plan is there should be none of us, none of self and all of Christ. The very people who are doing the most for God in saving souls, in mission work, in the care of orphans, are those who are working on short supplies of strength or money or talents of advantage and are kept in a position of living by faith and taking from God day by day both physical and spiritual supplies. This is the way God gains conquest over his own people and over the unbelief of those who look on his providences. Our Lord Jesus said, Do not worry. Do not worry about your life, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. George Muller is an example of a man who did just that, who sought after his father's kingdom and who had his needs provided. And that's our big idea today, that you can depend on our Father as you seek first His kingdom. Well, uh, Jesus knows that we're going to need help in doing that. Uh, Firstly, we need to make sure that we are seeking the right kingdom. And so we're going to go through uh, Jesus' words uh, in that first little section under the title of Seeking the Right Kingdom. And then we're going to think through how we can depend on our Father as we seek His kingdom. Uh, But Jesus' uh, desire for us as He spoke was that we would seek first the kingdom and trust our Father to provide our needs. The problem is for so many of us, we end up seeking first our needs and just trusting that God will provide for the kingdom. And so Jesus brings, if it were, a few diagnostic questions to ask, Where is our heart? What are we treasuring with our heart? Uh, Where are we looking with our eyes? What do we longingly gaze for? And whose will are we obeying? Whose orders do we follow? So let's have a look at what he says in these first verses from verse 19. Jesus begins by asking, what do you treasure? Verse 19, don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth. Now, any well-versed Christian will tell you that what Jesus is talking about here is not having things, but rather your attitude towards things. Uh, you know, we've got King David, the richest, one of the richest kings in Israel's history. So much stuff, but a heart devoted to God. And, and we're right. Jesus' uh, desire is that we would have a right attitude to our stuff. His desire is that we wouldn't gather up for ourselves, what does he say? Things where moth and rust destroy, and thieves break in and steal. Things that are perishable. Things that could be pinched. He wants to save us from treasuring things that won't last. But I wonder if we cut Jesus short. Let's have a look what he says. Verse 19. Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth. Is it possible that Jesus could be saying, don't have too much stuff? Don't cloud your life with things and possessions. 
you may say, I don't treasure them, but the more stuff you've got, the more chance you've got of your stuff having you, don't you? Uh, let me give you an example. This week, uh, Bridget and I, we decided, or sorry, last week we decided we w- would get a new outdoor table. Uh, we're having a few Christmas events. So Bridget found one for $1 on Gumtree, a $1 stone table from Annandale. So she organized on Airtasker to get it delivered by two delivery men for 100 bucks, and we're thinking, we're killing this modern economy. And uh, the two delivery men were going to bring this uh, $1 table, which had just one chipped corner on it. Uh, they brought the table. Well, actually, no, they, they didn't bring the table. He brought the table. It was one man. Uh, a Brazilian delivery man. Uh, the table left Annandale with one chip corner, arrived at our house with three shattered corners. Uh, the table turned up on Monday afternoon, a very stressful time in our family. Uh, Monday afternoon, I'm trying to feed the kids, bath them, and get back here to Alpha. This Monday, we were inviting people to put their trust in Jesus. But what were Bridget and I doing? Where's the other corner finding little bits up and down the pathway, stressing about how we could get out of paying the Brazilian for smashing our $1 table. It was a $1 table, and yet it began to have us. And rather than praying and seeking first the kingdom, we were stressed about how you rescind your finances from Airtasker. Well, the thing is, right, the more stuff we have, the more chance our stuff can have us. So Jesus says, don't treasure up things on earth, don't have a lot of stuff. Live lightly. Travel lightly through this world so that the stuff doesn't have you. Let's look at Jesus' concern. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus wants us to be investing in things that are really going to last. Things in heaven. He told us how to do that last week. Give to the poor. Give to people who you will get no return from this side of heaven. Pray to your Father. Do the unseen work of prayer that no one else will notice except your all-seeing Father. Well, that's how we can treasure up treasures in heaven. Jesus moves from our hearts to our eyes. What are we looking at? Where are you looking? Verse 22, Jesus says, The eye is the lamp of the body. Now, that to me is a bit of a confusing sentence. I think what Jesus is getting at is that the eye is like a window. So imagine in your house you have a window that faces west. That westerly window will let in beautiful afternoon westerly sun into your house. If your eye is looking at worldly things, what sort of things would your Search history on your web browser reveal that we might be looking at worldly treasures. Uh, Gadgets, cars, property, new job prospects, holiday destinations. If you gaze upon them, if you open up the, the eyes, the window of your life, to look upon them all the time, well then your whole life will become filled with worldly concerns. What does Jesus call them? He calls them darkness. Where you look determines what sort of light your body will be filled with. But verse 22, there's good news. Jesus says, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. I believe a more helpful translation than the word good there is the word single. If your eye is single, focused, fixed, determined, set on heaven, 
set on the kingdom of God, then your whole body will be full of heavenly light. So what might it look like for you to have a singularly focused eye? Have you ever met those people and you say to them, Good day, mate, how are you going? Oh, yeah, I'm good. There's lots of exciting stuff happening at church. No, 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 no. I ask you how you're going. Oh, yeah, well, a little bit stressed. I'm taking on the role of um, coordinating volunteers for the carols. Do you know 6,000 people are going to come to our carols? You know, it can be a little frustrating, can't it, when, when you meet these people. But it's better than the alternative, which is, oh, mate, yeah, I'm so busy. I'm renovating the place. Um, oh, I'm just planning an overseas holiday, spending so much time at the travel agent. How can we look and gaze upon the things of the kingdom? I've been thinking, how can we look with kingdom eyes at our new partnership with St. Augustine's Neutral Bay? It's going to cost us. It, it will be a costly venture. But how can you look with eyes that look for kingdom opportunities? I thought of the idea, what if Church by the Bridge wrote letters introducing ourselves to the saints of Augustine's, St. Augustine's in Neutral Bay, saying, this is me, this is my family, here's a photo, we're looking forward to partnering with you in the gospel in the years to come. Uh, I'm going up there on the 3rd of December. If you want to take up that opportunity, uh, email me a little letter or write one and bring it along next week and I'll take it up on the 3rd of December and we can just say, we're excited about this kingdom work. Our eyes are on the kingdom. That's what Jesus wants us to do. But he warns, verse 23, if your eyes go bad, your whole body will be full of darkness and how deep will that darkness be? So, Store up treasures in heaven. Set your gaze upon the kingdom and look to heaven. And then Jesus addresses our will. Who are you obeying? Verse 24, Jesus says, No one can be a slave of two masters. You cannot, he finishes, you cannot be slaves of God and money. When Jesus speaks of money here, he uses the word mammon. So not just cash, because no one thinks that they love cash, but money and all the good things that come with it. Uh, ease and comfort, luxury and, uh, and, and power and status, praise, the envy of others, ease and convenience, security and protection. They're the kind of things that we love. Jesus says you cannot obey the wills of God and money at the same time. But the thing I love about this verse is that as we read it, every single one of us out there is thinking, well, I know the rest of humanity can't, Jesus, but I reckon I can give it a pretty good shot. I reckon I can navigate the two masters thing. Well, we all try and do it, but let's hear what Jesus says about why you can't pull it off. Verse 24, Jesus says, you can't be a slave of two masters because you'll either hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. The first thing to understand about what Jesus is saying here is that we're all slaves of something or someone. As creatures, we were created to follow. And Jesus' question is not, are you following, but who or what are you following? So Jesus is concerned that we have the right master. And the reason you can't follow God and money is because these two masters are diametrically opposed. So what does money want? Money wants you to look inward. God wants you to look outward. Money is all about what you can get here on earth. God is all about what you can store up in the age to come. Money is all about using people to get 
your means or your treasure. God is all about people being the treasure. The two masters couldn't be more different. And so Jesus says, you cannot serve God and money. Money is a cruel master who will never, ever satisfy you. Remember that line that that Mark read to us from that first reading in Ecclesiastes? The one who loves money is never satisfied with money. On the other hand, the God of heaven is a good master, a kind master. In fact, more than that, he's a loving father. And that's where Jesus goes next as he seeks to comfort us, saying you really, 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 really can depend on our Father. You can depend on him as you seek first his kingdom. So that's our second point this morning. Depend on our Father as you seek his kingdom. Jesus is aware that if we're all in for the kingdom, if we're all on about seeking after God, well, then we might be concerned about how we'll provide for the basic necessities of life. Jesus picks up on two of those concerns, what we will eat and drink and what we will wear. Now, when Jesus says, do not worry about your life, it is important to remember uh, that he is not addressing those amongst us who suffer from clinical anxiety. Uh, If that is a condition that you are facing, uh, then part of God's good provision for you is clinical assessment and medical assistance. Uh, Please consider that, uh, that God wants you to reach out and and take hold of those provisions. Jesus is addressing those of us who worry and and get concerned about the meals that we will provide for tomorrow and the clothes we have on our back. For those of us who worry about these things, Jesus proposes, go on a nature walk. Go and look around. Look at God's world which is what I did this week. I went for a walk around Kirribilli. Why don't you read with me what I observed from verse 26. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the sky, the pigeons who live on the roof of of Church by the Bridge. They don't sow or reap. They've got no pantries. They've got no supermarkets. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Four mornings a week, your children go out and drop their cupcakes and cookies. And these pigeons come in and feast, and then your child picks up the cookie and keeps eating it, much to your dismay. But these pigeons, they wake up in the morning, not concerned what they will get, but God meets their needs every day. Mangy pigeons with their curled feet. God is caring for them. Well, verse 28, why do you worry about your clothes? Learn how the jacaranda trees of McDougal Street blossom. They're not laboring, they're not spinning thread, they've got no shops to go shopping at, no mirrors to look at themselves. Yet I tell you that not even Coco Chanel in her best ever outfit was dressed as beautifully as these. Have you seen people risking their lives to get photos of these trees in McDougal Street? They are lying down on the road shooting up, setting up tripods where state buses are driving down Broughton Street. Such is the magnificence of the beauty of these jacarandas. If that is how God clothes a jacaranda tree, won't he much more clothe you? Look at the last line of verse 30. O you of little faith. 
Gee, that line hit me this week. He's looking after pigeons and jacarandas, and I think that he won't provide for me. Well, who is, who is God to the church by the bridge pigeons? Who is God to the McDougal Street jacarandas? He's their creator. He's their provider, their sustainer. But who is he to you, brother or sister? Jesus said it again and again. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Your heavenly Father clothes them. He is a Father to you. He is creator to them. He is Father to you. How much more will He clothe and care for you? So how do we do it? Verse 31, stop worrying, Jesus says. Stop worrying about what you'll eat and what you'll drink and what you'll wear. For the idolaters, the nations around you, all the people around you, will chase after these things. Your Father knows that you need them. So what should you do? Here's the big verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Well, how will he do it? How will he provide? I've got trouble understanding what this looks like because of two reasons. I wonder if yours are the same as mine. One, I very rarely am willing to let myself get to the point of actually waiting on God to provide. How rarely do I take a risk that only God could pull off? How rarely do I actually wait for Him? I just get my credit card out and bang it, and then then here you go, I've got a meal sitting in front of me. How rarely do I actually let myself get to that point of only having God to pull through? Well, that's my first problem, is that I plan my service of God around what I think I can do for Him. And, oh, it would be really helpful if God came and helped. But very rarely do I go, God, only you could do this. Only you. And if it falls flat, uh, if I fall flat, uh, sorry, if, if you don't come through, then I've got nothing. Well, the second reason is that I'm rarely willing to let myself be dependent on God's people. Jesus taught us last week in the Lord's Prayer to pray. He taught us to pray to our Father. And when he taught us about uh, praying for our needs, do you remember what he said? He taught us to pray, give us today our daily bread. Not my daily bread, not your daily bread, but ours. We are a family. Have you ever wondered if perhaps God's provision for you is sitting in my pantry, or if God's food for me is sitting in your fridge. We often uh, think so individualistically about God meeting our needs, and yet God has made us a family. And what God gives to one member of his family is to be shared with those in need around us. You know what I find so hard about reading these verses? Is that amongst us, there might be some who are genuinely concerned about how they might put a meal on the table tomorrow. Well, you know when you watch the news and you see on the news uh, that foreign aid has been sent by a wealthy country like Australia uh, to a country in need and, and the food, the rice and the provisions arrive and they're held up on the dock. Uh, the, the, the greedy or the incompetent gov- government uh, stops the provisions getting to the people in need. 
and we're outraged that the provision that we've sent is rotting there on a dock when it could be changing lives. Have you ever wondered if God has sent the provision and it's rotting in our fridges, if it's forgotten in our freezers? I wonder if we're just thinking far too individualistically about God meeting our needs. How could we share with those in need? How could we cook meals that are always willing to to be given out and distributed to those in need? Friends, God has sent abundant blessings on us at Church by the Bridge in Kirribilli. Let's think how we can be part of God's provision for those in need. Perhaps you might know people uh, who are in need. You could offer them to come over for a meal or, or cook a meal for them. Perhaps you know people who are, over the next three weeks, going to be flat out with organizing the carols. And you might think, I could provide for their needs as they seek first the kingdom. Let's get creative about how we can be part of meeting meeting the needs of others. What about our clothes? How will God clothe you? Perfectly for whatever it is that he needs you to do. So, here's a scenario. You've been invited to the wedding of uh, a friend who you've been evangelizing at work. Uh, it's a really nice wedding. Uh, and so you want to get something nice to wear to that wedding. So you, you head along to the shop and, uh, and there in front of you is just a smoking hot red dress or a really crisp, clean blue suit. And you try it on and you look really good. But then you think to yourself, no, 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 it's not about me. It's about, it's about Christine. It's, it's about Andrew, whose wedding it is. So, you know what? I'll, I'll just try on this elegant black dress, or I'll try on just this classic black suit. And you put it on, and it looks good. It's a bit more expensive than you'd hoped, but you're not going to spend your whole day shopping around uh, because you've got ministry to do tomorrow. You're, you're leading kids' church. You've got work to do in the afternoon. So you get it, and, uh, and you go along to this wedding. And you, you're, you're heading along to the wedding. You're not thinking about how amazing you look in the red dress. Uh, you're thinking about your friend, Christine and Andrew. You're praying for them. You're praying that their experience of getting married in a church will open their hearts to the love of God. You're seeking first the kingdom. You sit down at the wedding and a friend comes up and uh, a Christian friend, brother or sister, says, oh, I like that black dress. Or, oh, that's a nice looking suit. Where did you get it from? Because I've got, I've got a, an event with the mayor of, of North Sydney this week uh, uh, for a, a, um, a, a fundraising event that I'm, I'm organizing. And you think, praise God. Praise God, they're the same size as me. You can borrow my suit. You can borrow my black dress and wear it along. And God is providing for the needs of his people. I know of some uh, members of our 8 a.m. congregation this morning who were clearing out their wardrobe yesterday. What a poignant word that came to them as they think through all these extra clothes that they don't need. How wonderful if we became a sharing community providing for the needs of one another. Well, that, that just might be one way. Look, we, we all um, might have different stories that we could share of how God has provided for us. And perhaps over morning tea this morning, you could share some of the ways that God has provided and met your needs. It might be those wonderful stories of the the check in the mail for exactly the amount you need or the meal on the doorstep that you don't know who it comes from. Uh, It might just be 
the money in the account so you can get to the supermarket and get what you need. But friends, you have a loving and good heavenly Father. He will provide for you. He will meet your needs as you seek first his kingdom. George Muller didn't become a man of faith that he was overnight. But day by day, he sought to depend on his father. Day by day, George Muller sought to seek first the kingdom. He sought to worry about the worries of today. And that's how Jesus finishes this section in verse 34. Therefore, he says, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Focus on the challenges and opportunities God has put in front of you today, brothers and sisters, and let God take care of tomorrow. Let's pray that it would be so this week. Heavenly Father, the birds of the air depend on you for their food. The flowers of the field depend on you to be clothed. We want to depend on you to meet all our needs as we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Oh God, give us more faith. More faith to see you do greater things. More faith to help us do greater things for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.